Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. Become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. I want to thank Gloria for supporting us on a one-time basis through support.greatdetectives.net. And thank you to Randy for supporting us with the Zell app to box13 at greatdetectives.net. And you can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go over to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for this week's episode of Casey Crime Photographer. The original air date is October the 16th, 1947, and the title is The Camera Bug. The Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation brings you Crime Photographer. Say, Mr. Marvin, who do you think will go to the Rose Bowl this year? Well, I, I don't know, Ethelbert. Do you think the weather will turn any colder, Tony? Well, I can't say, Casey. Tony, you like skirts the way they are this year? Or do you think they should be uh, oh. shorter? Can't answer that one, Anne. Tony, haven't you anything to say this evening? Oh, definitely, Casey. Anchor Hawking is the most famous name in glass. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tony Marvin. Every week at this time, the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, and its more than 10,000 employees bring you another adventure of Casey Crime Photographer, ace cameraman who covers the crime news of a great city. Written by Alonzo Dean Cole, our adventure for tonight, The Camera Bug. Mid-afternoon, the photographic department of the Morning Express. Casey sits sprawled at his battered desk wearing the scowl of a man who began his day with a dull razor and cold coffee. The door opens and a young man enters. Excuse me, is Mr. Casey in? Mm, yeah, that's me. Well, my name's Forster, Mr. Casey. Uh, Alan Forster. I've heard a lot about you. Yeah, I know. I'm on all the sucker lists. What are you selling? Oh, nothing. Well, that is... Well, you see, I'm a photographer. Huh? <laughs> Who isn't? Sometimes I think every guy in the world is a camera bug. What's on your mind? Looking for a job? Uh, yeah. See the city editor. His name's Burke. Four, four floor above here. Well, I've already seen Mr. Burke, and he says there aren't any vacancies here. Oh. I've been to all the other papers, too. I thought you might advise me how to get a start. Uh, how old are you? 21. You got a job now? I work in a camera supply store. I know a lot about taking pictures. Honest, I do. And... Well, my wife and I decided that it's time for me to break into the line I've always wanted. And... You've got a wife, you got a job with regular hours, and you want to break into my kind of racket? Yeah. Oh, boy. My advice is forget it. This is the lousiest game there is. You're out at all hours. People shove you around. You can risk your hide to get a good shot, and the city desk may stick it on page 10, if it's used at all. 
This is a dog's life, kid. Keep out of it. Yeah, but you get around and you see things. Oh, you see things. I guess you believe all you hear on the radio. Huh? <laughs> well, okay, camera buck. Here's the only way I know how to break in. You put in about 12 hours a day on the streets with your eyes open and your camera ready. Occasionally, you'll get a news picture you can sell. If you're lucky, you may get a real hot shot that you can trade to the city editor for a steady job. But you've got to be lucky. Huh? That's all I can tell you. Well, thanks a million, Mr. Casey. I'll do exactly as you say. Yeah, if you do, you're letting yourself in for a lot of grief. Excuse me, man. <clears throat> Hello. This is Ann Casey. You busy? Uh, not very. Oh, I got an awful cold. How about going over to the Blue Note? Mm. I'll meet you there in five minutes. Okay. Gee, you got got to rush somewhere in five minutes. That means an important assignment, huh? Hmm. Yeah, very important. Well, I, I won't keep you, but thanks again a lot. Good luck to you, kid. Uh, what's your name again? Uh, Forster. Alan Forster. Well, so long, Alan. Drop in again sometime, and remember, I've warned you, guys in this racket lead a dog's life. Um, Another small beer, Ethelbert. How about you, Annie? Something's good for your cold, huh? Mm-mm. No. I feel fine now, Casey. We've been here half an hour. We'd better go back to the office. <laughs> Annie sounds like a frog. Well, don't worry, Froggy. <laughs> City desk knows where we are. Burke will phone if anybody calls or anything comes up. Pretty soft for you two, I'd say. Wished I was in a business where I could take time off in the middle of an afternoon. Hey, listen to this guy, Annie, will you? You should have the kind of job we have, Ethelbert. That's right. Sure, sure. I hear you crabbing about it all the time. But you should endure what us bartenders goes through. How'd you like to wash and wipe a million glasses every day? And flush out the beer pipes? (laughs) And answer the... Yeah. Oh, excuse me, the telephone. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Blue Note Cafe, Ethel Burke speaking. Can they here, Mr. Burke? Just a minute. Uh-oh. Your city desk, Casey. All right, give me. Casey speaking. Uh, now, now, Burke, we're not always here. It just seems like always. Okay. Yeah, I got it. 12th Street, just south of Locust. Homicide Bureau's already on the job, huh? Well, you know, when you get a delayed report like this, we can't bring you anything that everybody else hasn't already gotten ahead of us. Okay, we're on our way. Goodbye. What is it, Casey? Come on, Annie. We got to see what some shooting's about. Shooting? Yep, slight case of murder, Ethelbert. Goodbye, pal. So long. Say, Casey, you didn't pay. Oh, well, bartending's a dog's life. They got the street roped off. Yeah, we'll leave the car here, Annie. Come on. They're lifting a stretcher into the morgue. Oh, I gotta get a shot of that. Okay. Well, that means the medical examiner's finished his job. Now, let's get inside those lines. Will you let us okay. throw, please? Oh, there's Sergeant Flanagan. Hey, Flanagan! Oh, hey, Casey. Hi. Hello, Miss Williams. Hi. You two are getting here kind of late, aren't you? Now, don't rub it in. Hey, who did they just haul away in that meat wagon? Well, the not-too-much-lamented murder victim was a gent unfavorably known as Max Blake. Max Blake? The lawyer? Oh, don't let decent lawyers hear you call him that, Miss Williams. Max Blake was a shyster. That rat wasn't even straight with his own clients. Well, the cops know who killed him? We not only know who killed him, but we've already got the mugs who did it. 
This case is all sewed up. Yes, Sergeant. Let's have the details so I can get them to my paper. Okay. According to eyewitnesses, the late Max Blake, who just stepped out of the barbershop behind us here, suddenly flopped in the middle of the sidewalk about where you're standing now. At the same time, a gunshot was heard. And a second later, a green sedan, which had been standing across the street, started away in such a big hurry that it crashed into the back of a truck, only a few feet away from the traffic cop on the corner. Who do you think they were? Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny, huh? They were Butch Silver and Tony Russo. Boy, they're a nice pair of hot shots. Two of the sweetest gorillas in town. And you've got them dead to rights, Sergeant? I told you and Casey all I'm allowed to say now to the newspapers. You'll have to get anything else from Captain Logan. Yeah, where is Logan, by the in way? In the back room of the barbershop there questioning witnesses. All right, come on, Annie, let's go in. Wait a minute, Casey. Uh, Nobody goes oh, in there. planning. I got my orders, Casey. Yeah, yeah, look, you and I are pals. Sure, but you keep out of that barbershop, pal. Is that nice? It's what goes. Now, we're... If you'll be a nice guy, Casey, and won't try any tricks to get where you're not wanted, as you've done too many times before, I'll give Miss Williams a tip. A tip? Oh, it's not anything I'm not allowed to tell you, understand? It's just something I forgot to mention to the other newspaper boys and girls. <laughs> All right, it's a deal, Flanagan, no tricks. What's the tip? One of the witnesses to the shooting is quite an important guy. Who? Richard M. Craigle. What, the contractor? Biggest in town. Hey, I interviewed Clago when he got the city paving contract last year. His offices are somewhere around here. Right across the street. Yeah, of course. I recognize the funny old-fashioned building now. The only elevator it's got is hidden in back of the stairs. Of course, I couldn't find it. I had to walk up to Clago's office on the third floor. Say, Flanagan, did Clago uh, uh, see those gorillas in the car shoot, Blake? Well, he says that... Oh, here he comes out of the barbershop. You can ask him yourself. Huh? Oh, Mr. Clago... Uh, I'm Ann Williams of the Morning Express. We met last year. Oh, yes, yes. How do you do, Miss Williams? Uh, hold it, will you? Huh? Thanks. I hope you don't mind my snapping a picture of you, Mr. Clagle. Well, no, no, not at all. Mr. Clagle, will you give us an eyewitness account of what happened? Well, as I've just told Captain Logan in there, I happened to be at the window of my private office just across the street when the shot was fired. Oh, your uh, private office is on the third floor, as I remember, right? That's right. I saw this man, Blake, fall. Then I saw a green sedan start up and crash into a truck. I hurried out to the elevator. The operator brought me downstairs. I saw the man in the sedan arrested, and, uh, well, that's all. Well, did you see the shot fired from the sedan? No, I can't say that, Miss Williams. But the sedan is obviously where the bullet came from. The medical examiner says it must have been fired from about five feet above the street level, which means the killer sat in an automobile or stood on the sidewalk or street. Now, only one shot was fired. Huh? Uh, that's all. Uh, Mr. Uh... Uh, Casey's the name. Uh, both gorillas in that sedan are dead shots, Casey. Uh, Sergeant Flanagan, come in here. Oh, yes, sir. Uh, Captain Logan wants me. I'll see you later. Yeah, tell Logan I want to see him, Sarge, will you? Oh, uh, Mr. Casey. Mr. Casey. Huh? I'm Alan Forster. You remember we were talking? Oh, sure, sure, kid. But what were you doing in that barbershop? Oh, I was a witness to the shooting. Wasn't I, Mr. Clayton? Police questioned us both. Uh, that's right, young man. I did as you told me, Mr. Casey. I was on the spot when things happened, and I had a camera with me. And I got two shots of that Blake fellow from almost where we're standing now. One almost as I heard the gun fired, and the other right after he hit the ground. You didn't tell the police about taking any pictures. Oh, no, Mr. Claydell. I wanted Casey to have these shots. I've I got hot stuff, haven't I, Casey? Exclusive news pictures, the kind that'll get me a job on the Express? Yeah, well, let's get to my office, develop your film, and see just what you got. Oh, no, let me develop the film at home, Mr. Casey. I'd like to do a complete job on it. Huh? Well, all right, but blow them up to 8 by 10 and be sure to use a fine-grained developer. Oh, you'll see the kind of job I can do. 
I'll have the prints at your office inside of 45 minutes. Oh, uh, which way is your home, young man? I live on Nelson Street, Mr. Flegel. Oh, good. I'm going in that direction. My car's around the corner. I'll drop you off. Oh, that'll be swell. Oh, Mr. Klingo. Yes, Captain Logan. I want to ask you a few more questions. Will you come back into the barbershop, please? Well, I have important business to attend to, Captain. There's nothing so important as this murder right now. Come in, please. Well, I'll have to do as you say, of course. When do Miss Williams and I get in there, Logan? So you two are here. We've been waiting for hours. I'll beat it quick, Mr. Casey. See you at the express. Okay, fellas. I'll be with you in just a minute, Mr. Clago. And why have you and Casey been waiting, Miss Williams? (laughs) Logan, when you start clowning right after a murder, it means you've got an airtight case. Well, it isn't quite that yet, Casey. I've got some loose ends to tie up. Oh, what are they? Well, the medical examiner took a thirty-eight caliber slug out of Blake's body... And we found guns on both of the hoods that were in that sedan, but they were forty five. Well, they must have thrown the murder gun away. Sure they did. Somebody picked it up, of course, and hasn't turned it in. Well, they tried a fast getaway. That's ample indication of their guilt. How about motive? Almost anyone had a motive to kill Max Blake. He was an all-around louse. Yeah, it's going to take a lot more work than I first expected. Seems I never get an easy case. We cops lead an absolute dog's life, Casey. <laughs> story will continue in just a moment. You know, Alex, I really like good, wholesome beer and ale. So do I, Tony. Ah, but there's one thing that's always bothered me, and that's the way empty bottles clutter up the back porch and basement. And that's one of the big reasons for the new Anchor Glass One-Way No-Deposit Bottle. Oh, you're right, Alex. You never have to bother about returning empties to the store. When the bottle is empty, you get rid of it as you would any other food container. And you don't have to bother about deposits. No more fussing with extra pennies. And the new Anchor Glass One-Way No-Deposit Bottle is a glass bottle. And because it's a glass bottle, it brings you beer and ale that tastes as beer and ale should taste. Clean, clear, sparkling, unaffected by any foreign flavors. No cloudiness, no discoloration. Beer that's brewery bright. Is it any wonder that the new Anchor Glass One-Way No-Deposit Bottle is sweeping America? For perfect flavor, demand beer in glass bottles. For extra convenience, demand your favorite brand in the new Anchor Glass One-Way No-Deposit Bottle. A product of Anchor Hawking. The most famous name in glass. I've got the prints for you, Mr. Casey. Told you I'd have them here in your office inside of 45 minutes. Hey, you're a fast worker, Al. Oh, I'd have made it even sooner if a guy hadn't stopped me outside your building. Guy wanted to buy the pictures. Oh, who? Oh, he's from another paper, the Globe. He offered me $200 for the shots I got. Well, how did the Globe know that you... Well, had... he said somebody who saw me take them tipped off a Globe reporter. Uh, that could happen, all right, I guess. But I wouldn't let him even see what I've got. These pictures are yours. Yeah, well, don't say that until we talk to City Desk. Work might not go 200 bucks worth. Oh, I don't care about that. It's a job I want. Well, let's see your prints. Come on. Yeah, here. Mm-hmm. Nice work, fella. Ah, you can really see Blake starting his fall in this one. The body's sagging, growing limp. Yeah, he just hit the ground in this one. I shot it as quick as I could wind the film and focus. Hey, these are worth 200 bucks and a steady job here besides. Come on, we're going upstairs to Burke, and I'm going to tell him just that. Uh, 
Well, $100 for the two pictures is my limit, Casey. And we don't need any new staff photographers. Burke, no other paper in town will have these shots. They're worth every cent of the 200 bucks the Globe has already offered, and we can use this young fellow. Are you telling me how to run this paper? Oh. It's okay, Mr. Casey. I'll take the 100 well, You're crazy if you do, Alan. You seem to be acting as this young man's agent rather than as an employee of the Express, Casey. What's to be your rake off on this deal? Huh? You don't mean that, do you, Burke? Uh, no. But a hundred is tough. Come on, kid, let's go. Okay. Uh, Casey, you know I didn't... Sure, sure, but someday you'll make one of your... Ah, nuts to you. Oh, gee, Mr. Casey, I'm terribly sorry. Never mind. All right. I told you this newspaper racket was a dog's life fellow. Now maybe you believe me. Take these pictures to the Globe and get your 200 bucks. Well, I hate Well, you'd be crazy to do anything else. Uh, did you, uh, make any extra prints of those shots? Yeah, two of each. Well, but I have the extras. I won't use them, of course. Just that they're nice, clean camera jobs. I'd like them to remember Bert by. Sure, here they are. Thanks. But take the others to your globe guy right now. In this racket, a guy has to sell to the highest bidder. I tell you, it's a dog's life. Casey, you've been sitting at this bar for over two hours now. Ain't you ever going back to work? Well, I'm not sure I am, Ethelbert, at the Express. Oh, now stop being sore at Bert. You know he's pretty decent sore underneath. Underneath. And I'm tired of digging underneath Bert to look for his good points. You know, for two cents, I'd go over to the Globe myself and strike Curtis for a job. Now, there's a city editor who knows values. And he's also an okay guy, too. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Casey. Huh? huh? Mr. Curtis. Hello, oh. Miss Williams. And when do you want to start to work on the Globe, Casey? Uh, <clears throat> well, I... I haven't exactly made up my mind to make any change, Mr. <laughs> Curtis. I... You're just crabbing about something, eh? You will never leave the Express. The Express? Well... Good paper. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, but we sure let you pull one over us on us today, getting those exclusive murder pictures for only 200 bucks. What exclusive murder pictures? The Blake killing, of course. Give Mr. Curtis a drink on me, Ethelbert, will you? Sure. The... Oh, excuse me, I... there's the bar phone. We didn't get any exclusives of the Blue Blake killing. Well, you bought the stuff speaking. that Forster kid got. Forster kid? Sure, Alan Forster. He's a young camera bug. I never heard of him. Uh, you'll have to speak louder, uh, ma'am. Wait I a minute. Say, what, uh, Curtis, huh? didn't you send a guy from the Globe to buy those shots from... Casey, I haven't the vaguest idea of what Where? you're talking about. Casey. I... The call's for you, Casey. I'm Mrs. Huh? Forster on the wire. Mrs. Forster? Uh-huh. You want to talk to her? Well, say, I do. Miss Williams, would you be good enough, if you can, please, to tell me something? Hey, uh, uh, hello. Hello, Casey speaking. They told me at the Express to call this number, Mr. Casey. I'm Alan Forster's wife. He's with you, isn't he? No. Oh, but you know where he is. No. Oh, that something's happened to him. Huh? What do you mean? Well, almost three hours ago, he phoned me at the place where I work about the pictures he'd taken of that murder. Yeah? He said he was going to develop them, then meet you and phone me back. But he didn't phone, and somebody's been in our apartment. Somebody's been... Well, I found the lock on our door broken, and, and the closet Alan uses for his dark room, the things had been broken and knocked around. Has anything else in the apartment been disturbed? No, just the things in the dark room. Oh, Mr. Casey... What do you think's happened to him? I don't know. But I'll do my best to locate your husband. Do you think you can? Now, take it easy and don't worry. Goodbye for now. Goodbye. Annie, Annie, come on. Excuse us, Mr. Curtis, will you? Where are we going, Casey? My car across the street. The 
Copies of those murder pictures are there in my equipment case. And I want to take a very careful look at them. I'd only look carefully at these prints before. What do you see, Casey? How Blake was murdered. How Blake? Yes, look. Look. When Forster took the pictures, his lens was stopped down to get a good depth of focus. Yeah. He got not only Blake, but a sharp picture of the building across the street. Yeah. I well, in see. the first picture, the bullet has just struck Blake. He, he's slumping. He's beginning to fall. And a ground floor window of that building is partially open, Annie. Look. Just a few inches. Yeah, but in the second picture, which shows Blake lying on the sidewalk, that window's closed. He was shot from behind that window, and the killer closed it right after he fired. Right, that's it. Now, look at this third floor window in both pictures. It's the one that Richard M. Clegel said he was standing behind when he heard the shot. Well, did you see anybody there? No, Casey. Hmm. Clegel could have gone down to the first floor and waited for Blake to come out of the barber shop. And... Yeah, then, after he shot him, Clegel closed the window, did a quick dash up the stairs to the third floor and rang the elevator bell. Yeah. The operator picked him up there and Clegel was supplied with a pretty good alibi, Annie, because the bullet entered Blake's body on a horizontal line. He couldn't have been shot from the third floor. But Clegel's a reputable businessman, Casey. Why did he kill Blake? Well, never mind. That doesn't matter now. Point is, he must have killed him. And Clegel is the only person beside you, Forster, Burke, and me who knew about those pictures. He was with us when the kid told about taking him, remember? Oh, yeah. And he ought to take the kid home right afterwards. And if Captain Logan hadn't detained yeah, him... he'd have gotten the films then, sure. He sent somebody to wait outside the express building to buy those pictures. But Foster wouldn't sell until after he'd seen me. And then I played into his hands by telling the kid not to accept Burke's chiseling offer. You know, the phony Globe reporter got him into a car after he left you and kidnapped him. Because the kid only had prints of the pictures, Andrew. Plinkle had to have the negatives, too. So he or the guy working with him broke into Forster's apartment and got him. Evidently, Forster didn't let on that he'd given me a set of prints or I'd have received a call from him, too. Maybe they've killed him by now. Well, Annie, if they've killed that kid, I'm partly responsible. Oh, that's crazy. I've got to find Logan right away. We're going to start for headquarters as soon as I can unlock this ignition. Don't make a move. Michael. <laughs> There's a gun in this pocket, Casey. You remember that, too, Miss Williams, and that a man in danger of the electric chair will stop at nothing to protect himself. I'm, uh... Getting into the back seat. Start your motor, Casey, and drive as I direct. Okay. Guess you heard what we were talking about. And not by accident. Young Foster did say you had prints of those pictures. I waited a long time for you. Now start driving. Straight ahead for the time being. That gun makes you the boss. Mind giving us a hint of where we're going? We're joining young Foster. He hasn't been harmed yet. Drive right up to that big door, Casey. Okay. What is this place? A little waterfront storage house I own, Miss Williams. Stop here, Casey. All right, now what? Get out of the car. I notice you've placed the pictures I want in your equipment case. Bring the case with you. All right. And be very careful. Bob, open up. Right away, boss. Well, I see 
you got the guy you went after plus a dame. Yeah, Bob, just as you got Foster. Now step inside, you people. Casey. Hello, Alan. See, they've got you nicely tied up. Now, that guy Bob brought me here. He's a fellow said he was on the globe. I told him about the prints you had before I knew he was a phony. It's okay, pal. Now you can hand over those prints, Casey. I guess I'll have to, Clagle. What are your plans for the three of us? Can't you guess? A one-way ride? A boat ride. Late tonight. On one of my cement barges. Casey. I hate to do this, Miss Williams. But you people are very dangerous to me. More dangerous than Max Blake was. Why did you kill Blake? Never mind that. Give me the pictures in your plate case. Okay. Uh, don't let him think he's missing that case, boss. There may be a gat in there. There's nothing in this case but films and flash bulbs and your pictures. Maybe not, but take your hands out of there. Huh? All right. Who's the doctor? Get him yourself, then. He's got something in his hands, boss. Can't you see they're only flash bulbs? Took them out so you can get at the princes. Unstrap the case from his shoulder, Bob. <laughs> I've got it. Take out the pictures. I want to be sure. Oh, oh. You got a flash bulb between the eyes, Clayton. Shoot him, Bob. My eyes are cut. That's right. I can't see. I'm blind. He's got my gun, Clayton. You shouldn't try to handle a gun in a film case at the same time. Bob. Bob. You got him, Casey. And here's one for you, Clayton. <laughs> you got them both. They're out. Penny. Yeah. You get my camera from the car while I watch these mugs. I'm going to use some flash bulbs now to get a few front page pictures. And if Burke doesn't put them on the front page, I will take a job on the Globe. Oh, now, when did I hear that one before? We'll join the crowd at the Blue Note in just a moment. If men had to clean pots and pans every night, they'd really do something about it. They'd go right out and invest in a complete set of Fire King oven glass. If only because Fire King oven glass is so amazingly easy to clean. Now, if you've been using ordinary pots and pans, you have no idea how much kitchen drudgery Fire King oven glass will save you. You see, Fire King oven glass has a special non-porous surface that's literally mirror smooth. The result of a scientific process exclusive with Fire King. And then, too, you save dishwashing by using a single Fire King baking dish to serve, bake, and store leftovers. Now, you'll find a wide variety of Fire King casseroles, pie plates, and baking dishes in all sizes at your favorite chain and other retail stores where household glass is sold, all at amazingly low prices, all guaranteed for two years against oven breakage. Beautiful, practical, inexpensive Fire King oven glass, a product of Anchor Hawking. The most famous name in glass. Why did Klegel kill that guy, Max Blake, Casey? Hmm, well, Ethelbert, shyster criminal lawyers like Blake are sometimes blackmailers. Blake was. Klegel was paying him and finally got tired of it. Yeah. Klegel knew that Blake patronized the barber shop across from his office building and invariably went there on Saturday afternoon. All he had to do was to watch and to wait for him. Hmm? He figured out a pretty good alibi from the elevator operator. He made it look better by bringing those two gunmen, Silver and Russo, to the neighborhood with a phony telephone message. Yeah, you see, they, they thought they were to meet somebody there. 
that Klegel had framed them as a pair of natural suspects. They knew that with their record, it wasn't healthy to be caught at the scene of a killing, so when they heard the shot, they tried to beat it, which made them really look guilty. Mm, I see. After what the Forster kid went through, I guess he'll be glad to go on working in a store. Yeah, oh, no. No, no. He's got the stuff it takes, kid. Casey's browbeating Burke into putting Alan Forster on the regular staff, Ethelbert. Yeah? Oh, well, he's taking the job on his own responsibility, though. Yes, sir. I've warned the kid. And now he's seen for himself that press photographers... Lead our dog's life. Yeah, that's right. We certainly do. <laughs> Casey, as my sister Edna says, quote, Demis complains about leading a dog's life, seldom want to trade places with any other breed of animal. Unquote. Hmm. Uh, give Casey another Fido biscuit, Ethelbert. Uh, pour it in his usual glass. <laughs> Prime Photographer, starring Stotts Cotsworth as Casey, is brought to you each Thursday by the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation, makers of Fire King Oven Glass, Anchor Glass Containers, Anchor Caps and Closures, all products of Anchor Hawking, the most famous name in glass. Directed by John Dietz. The original music is by Archie Blyer, and the program features Miss Jan Minor as Anne and John Gibson as Ethelbert. Herman Jettison is the Blue Note pianist. Your National Guard is destined to play a more important part than ever before in America's security plans. The National Guard offers young men regular Army pay and training without interference with their normal civilian life. If you're between the ages of 17 and 35, married or single, join your local unit of the National Guard. This is Tony Marvin saying goodnight for the Anchor Hawking Glass Corporation of Lancaster, Ohio, with offices in all principal cities of the United States and Canada. Thursday night on CBS is the biggest show in town, so stay tuned for exciting dramatizations on Reader's Digest Radio Edition, which follows immediately over most of these stations. CBS Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Uh, there are a couple of comments on the story. First of all, it does seem like if your whole business is doing photos, you ought to, you know, pay attention to what's being shown in a photo. Uh, when uh, determining its newsworthiness. Plus, it does seem that the editor was being a bit tight, given that it actually did show committed the murder. And to be like, $100, no budge. At least get some angling in and go, well, I could maybe go $125, $150. Now, as BlueNoteBulletin.blogspot.com notes, that was... Uh, 
the 200 was $2,400 in today's money. So the 100 wasn't totally out of line. Also, according to the notes, uh, the notes of Alonzo Dean Cole, this story was actually broadcast back in 1944 under the title, It's a Dog's Life. I wonder where they got that from. Uh, Blue Note Bolton notes all of the references to the phrase, it's a dog's life, and it's a lot in this particular story. I won't go through them all. I, I think that uh, Ethelbert's reference at the end, though, is interesting. That people who complain about having a dog's life don't want to trade with any other animal. And I think it reflects the ideals of the time that people would find a trade, get very good at their trade, and stay in it their whole lives. Certainly that didn't happen all the time, but it happened uh, a lot more often and, you know, was considered the ideal. The idea that, you know, you could go down to ge the General Motors factory, get a job when you were 19, and then stay uh, there for the next 40 years. Or you could get into bartending or or police work, or carpentry, and that would be your profession, and you would stay in that, dealing with both the good and the bad. That's definitely a change. I won't say the person who stays in their job forever and constantly complains about it doesn't exist, but we are far, far more likely to change careers and change employers than uh, people in the 1940s. And as with most social changes over the past 80 years, there are good aspects and bad aspects, and where that actually measures out depends on who you ask. Of course, the whole idea of it's a dog's life, uh, Blue Note Bolton notes that that actually uh, comes from uh, the 17th century. It's not a saying that if we were thinking up sayings that we would uh, be inspired by the life of your average, well-cared-for household dog. I don't think we hear that as much. It's I think we have society have gotten past the original meaning that it's hard to relate to. Well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback. And we have a comment from Gloria. Gloria writes, I found your channel on YouTube quite by accident. As a lover of all murder mysteries, from the classic novels to black and white films, I was thrilled to find a whole new library of mysteries via radio programs. How have I made it through life without knowing these treasures? And she sent along uh, a donation and says, thanks for your hard work and countless hours of entertainment you, uh, you provide. And it comes from Gloria in Indiana. Well, thank you so much, Gloria. I really uh, appreciate your comment, and it's gratifying that you found us over on uh, YouTube. YouTube has been, uh, you know, a challenging uh, platform to, to work with, you know, not a typical uh, podcast, uh, you know, uh, you know, podcast thing like uh I, like the Apple Store. I keep saying iTunes, even though technically it is no longer the iTunes Store, but the Apple Store. I've been calling it the 
um, iTunes store since 2009, so I'm not broken at the habit. But it's not like that or even like Spotify. Uh, you know, it's had its challenges and being able to work and uh, get it set up. But it was, a, you know, I, I knew that it was a platform where, you know, we could reach some listeners uh, who wouldn't find the show otherwise. And so I'm so glad that you found that. And it's it does make it, you know, to hear that does make it worth, you know, the effort we put into it. Because my entire plan for marketing and growing the show essentially comes down to let's put it out there and see who actually wants to listen. And then, you know, use good keywords and hope that the Google searches and Apple podcast uh, searches uh, bring listeners. Now, you know, YouTube uh, searches as well. So again, I'm so glad you found us and thanks so much for the note. All right. Uh, Well, I do want to also go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Camille, Patreon supporter since September 2017, currently supporting us at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Camille. And that will do it for today. A reminder, if you are enjoying this podcast on YouTube, be sure and like the video, subscribe, and mark the notification bell to be notified whenever a new Uh, post is added. Join us back here tomorrow for The Fat Man, and we'll be back next Monday with another episode of Casey Crime Photographer. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.